Right, so this is episode 30, and um, following on from some good episodes, one with Deg, my good friend, uh, we've got my good friend Rob Hurst on this time, who's was actually um, someone I've known for a how, how old, how long were you in? Since about 14 or something? Um, 1997. I would say. Yes, yeah, so I think I I think I were like 14 and you were you were 32. Thought, yeah. <laughs> 17. <laughs> so you were a little bit older, yeah, but um so yeah, I was thinking of ways to introduce Rob on the podcast actually and um the word superfan did occur to me although he's just informed me that that's a term <laughs> that he actually deeply resents so i'm going to avoid using that term but yeah it's just another one of my really really good friends who it's going to be fun to you know share an hour or so sort of talking about old times really and uh i don't know just reliving everything that sort of went on as we have done with lots of people on this podcast really but as usual this time though uh, and i'm not going to shut him out we're not going to shut him out of this conversation but we've got pete fletcher as usual how are you doing pete now then, now then, how's it going, man? Very well, very well. <laughs> I'm looking forward to this one. Yeah, I've heard about Rob H for a long time. I remember once you referred to him as uh, a super fan on Twitter, and he immediately responded and said, "I am not a fan. I'm just, I just know a lot about the music." <laughs> yeah. Oh, he, he's, he cannot. You cannot deny that you are a fan, mate. I mean, there has been that kind of long running joke that I know more about your band than you do. Well, you do, that is that is entirely true. You know, a lot of the times um, when people ask me stuff, anything really to do with when we did this or that. Nine times out of 10, I'm asking you because I can't remember. I just had a lot of time and you did a lot of stuff. So, Well, <laughs> indeed. Speaking of fans, quick note. Uh, I thought I'd share. I thought you might find this interesting. Uh, I was talking to my brother-in-law, young guy. He's in his 20s. Mm. And uh, he knew I did this podcast, but he had never heard of the music and he started listening to it. Now he like loves you. Uh, he started listening to all your music. Now, like he just loves the music. He's he's it's the first time I've heard of anybody that hasn't heard of the music, found out about them through the podcast, now mm. listens to the music, now loves the music. <laughs> and now it's like, oh, I can't awesome, believe yeah. you get to do this podcast. I'm like, it's just kind of funny. <laughs> I think there's a lot of people who feel that way, Pete. I think you've uh, been called a jammy bugger on many occasions. I have. Haven't you? I have. <laughs> I'll take it. So yeah, anyway, um, I would just try to think, can you remember when we met? What were we doing? Um, and is it broadcastable? <laughs> well, I, I've been doing a lot of thinking about this since you asked me to come on and a lot of it is not broadcastable or we have to edit out people's names for legal reasons. <laughs> um, but I can't remember exactly how we met, but we kind of, our kind of friendship kind of generated through Standish and that yeah, yeah. kind of circle of people. And then just starting to kind of go watch local bands, go watch Rob's band, Swerve. That's right. Just And then you just started to learn guitar and I'd been playing guitar for like 18 months or something. I remember I was like, oh, well, you know, I've, I've been playing guitar for like 18 months. Why don't you come around and jam? And like you came around and I played like Talk Tonight by Oasis or something really <laughs> cringy and you was like knocked out slash and burn by manic street preachers like the full riff and i'm like hang on i've been <laughs> playing for 18 months i can barely string three chords together and this guy's just knocking out some of my favorite riffs of all time it was yeah. uh, it was incredible i like the synchronous uh drinking here what's going i see you got your dark <laughs> i see you got practice. your uh, dark fruits and rob what do you have over there <laughs> um i can't divulge uh but it's non-alcoholic he's, he's on a non-alcoholic beer he's on a non-alcoholic okay. you cannot in any circumstances, put that on the podcast because I will get mercilessly. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think it was actually on. I was talking when we were talking to Nick Hodgson, actually. Um, 
I was talking about going to see Parva because mm -hmm. it, it was me and you that went to see yeah, Parva, yeah. wasn't it? Yes. And we went to see Parva and who else did we go to see? Like we went to Nottingham to see Three Colours Red, didn't we? Yes. And ended up like in the basement of Rock City getting chased around by security, if I remember I've correctly. I've actually in my um, big bag of stuff that I brought with me, brought the ticket from that gig and we appear to have somebody's autograph on there. So I'm guessing that is Three Colours Red. And we did try to break, we did try and break backstage to get into the Rock City dressing rooms for some unknown reason. I can't even remember why we did that. Well, I can't, I, can't, I can't remember why we were around the back of there, but I think just typical of me and you in those days, the thing was, is that the door was open. So mm. it, it, it wasn't as much as breaking in as just walking yes. in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'll have to say, having been in a band as long as I have, there's plenty of occasions where people walk in. Oh, yeah. I mean, actually, I, I remember a hilarious incident in Australia where we were walking around as a group and there was an extra person, a, a guy that I'd never seen before. And I assumed that it was, uh, you know, someone that, you know, someone's mate or something, someone had met someone had met him. And anyway, we all ended up getting in a people carrier to go to this party and they want enough seats. They want enough seats. And, you know, I was looking at the, you know, one of our crew guys were like, oh, well, I can't come because there's not enough room. And then I thought, I turned around and went, who's this guy with? And everyone sort of shrugged their shoulders. And I went, hey, mate, who are you with? And he went, oh, um, uh, and I just went, you fucking get off the bus, you prick. Fucking hell. But he were a good sport about it, to be fair. He were like, oh, it were a nice try, won't it? But yeah, man, because uh, we went to see Embrace as well, won't it? Donny Dome. Uh, yeah. I were talking to Rick about that on the podcast. That were me and you going backstage as I well. Think anyone who's anyone from Kipax was in that at that gig. I yeah. think if you went into like the the bar bit at Donny Dome, it was more like going in the Royal Oak because it was just like everyone from Kipax was there for that gig. Yeah, yeah. We went to see Manic Street Preachers at Bridge Spa, didn't we? Yeah, Manson at uh, Chester. Manson Arena. at Chester. And I think we went to see Ultrasound in Sheffield yes. Leadmill. I was thinking about that um, on the way over, actually, because we, uh, at the time, I had that um, Escort. If you remember, we used the to plug, we had that um, portable Discman CD player that we plugged into the... Um, cigarette lighter in the car and on the way to ultrasound it set on fire if you remember we had to pull over on the m1 just before sheffield oh, because it just God. it started kicking out some smoke and some wow. sparks and we we're like um yeah this is uh <laughs> i don't remember that but i mean that they, these were sort of all my first real in introductions to watching live music really um we, we went to see did we go to see super furries as well didn't we at yeah, tnc um, who else did we go and see? Uh, we went through some other really oh, uh, V98, which was pretty, oh. we, that had again anybody who was anybody played that Green Day, Iggy Pop, Verve, Verve yes, Charlatans, Seahorses. Yeah, I remember, I remember Stan Williams. Well, I mean, I, well, I remember standing and watching the Verve and just being absolutely sort of spellbound. But it, I mean, it was amazing, wasn't it? As much as like you know, as much as I wasn't a fan and well, not particularly a fan of Robert Williams now, to be honest, but um. It was mental. Oh, it was, it, yeah. The crowd. I was obscene when it was incredible. The crowd for him was absolutely, I've never seen anything like it, to be honest. Front he, to back at Temple Newsom. Front to back at Temple Newsom, oh, wow. like in the old way it was laid out, all the way back to the bloody motorway, pretty much. And the entire thing were bouncing all the way to the back. Uh, that uh, Still to this day, actually, one of the most amazing crowds I've ever seen. Uh, that, that's your challenge for June the 2nd. Can you make Temple Newsom go more mental than, than Robbie Williams? <laughs> Oh, but to be fair, I've got to give it to him. That was absolutely nuts. It was crazy. Um, another moment I had like that was Shepherd's Bush Empire Oasis um, when they were playing. Uh, we, we'd obviously supported him. You weren't there, Robert, I don't think, at that no, one. No, that was at the Manchester, Manchester one. one. Uh, but yeah, uh, the London one, I remember walking. I can't remember what song it was now, but I just remember walking out um, under the lower, under the balcony. 
at Shepherd's Bush and you sort of come out under the sound desk and um, you could sort, sort of see the full thing and bloody hell, that were absolutely mental, that crowd and how they were sort of responding. But yeah, we we went, to, we, you know, that, as I say, my sort of first introduction to live music. And I think what we're interested in as well is when, well, I mean, once we started like playing, I mean, you said, you know, I came around to yours quite a lot, didn't I? And we yeah. used we used to, time, yeah. yeah, I mean, well, I mean, you know, to mess about anyway, but sort of to play guitar as well. We'd, I'd sort of sit there and mess around with your effects pedals. And I remember I liked coming around to yours because you had like a different effects pedal yeah, with, yeah. with different effects on. <laughs> so back in them days, I had an effects pedal and it had a number of effects on, but then it was like, oh, that's like a whole new world of preset sounds that I don't have to program because obviously what I didn't realize but having ADHD obviously back then as well I had no idea how to bloody program all bloody effects boards and that I just use preset sounds and yeah. to be honest I still use mostly presets I can I can edit stuff but half the time I can't be bothered I just like the presets I remember you worked out um, television by Manson on your effects board oh. really early on I remember you've been really excited and coming around I was going <gasps> I know it's doing the effect from television. Oh, yeah, I remember, yeah. <laughs> I remember, and I do remember that, actually. Uh, well, it was like a challenge once I got that effects yeah, yeah. pedal and once I started to actually be able to mess with things. Although I think, to be fair, it was like a preset that were, <laughs> do you know what I mean? I think yeah, it, yeah. it were almost bang on. But yeah, they, you know, these, like I say, a lot of my first experiences, when things started kicking off, I suppose we're jumping a little bit forward here, but it were really fun when it going to cost, I think it was just after we'd met Tim yes. and sort of the whole coalition thing had started happening. And um Tim Vigan gave us um, guest passes to Empress Ballroom for Charlatans, wasn't yeah, it? It was nice. probably, I would say, about two or three weeks after the Brighton Things final. Um, and I remember you rang me up because we didn't have mobile phones in those days. And um, you said, oh, well, uh, Tim has sorted us out these uh, these tickets for the Charlatans. Right? It's like, you know, full mashings, like backstage party, all this kind of stuff. <laughs> I get to meet the band. Uh, I'm going with Phil and Rob, and and you can come too if if you drive us there. And I'm like, <laughs> absolutely if. no problem. First time I've ever worn like a triple A pass type thing walking through Blackpool. But I felt like King Dick walking through Blackpool Empress Ballroom. <laughs> It's funny, so I remember that that your face on that photograph with Tim Burgess, your face is seared into my mind. Honestly, you, you've got you look almost artificial. You've got the biggest grin on your face that I've ever seen, but. I mean, that again, like we've tried to convey on this podcast with various people, you know, we were massive fans of these people. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Of, of the charlatans. And so going. You know what happened when we met Tim Burgess after the show and what you said when you were being introduced and I got introduced, do you remember? I can't remember. No, um, did I say? So Tim Burgess came. There's like after show party thing and like all the charlatans come in and we were like kind of overall, like, oh my God, it's the charlatans. And then your manager, Tim, was introducing us all. He was like, oh, this is Adam No, He plays guitar. This is Rob Howie, blah, blah, And he went, oh, and this is Rob Hurst. And you went, he's not in the band. He just drove us here. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh, nice, nice. to meet you, hero. Tim he's Burgess. just a driver. I'm just a driver. Yeah, I'm just a driver. <laughs> Nice. I'm sorry for that. Flip. I'm sorry for that very flippant. He's not in the band. Very flippant disregard. Um, you could have at least said I was vibes master. Or <laughs> he could have said ambient. anything other than that. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that were a, that were a great night. Um, did our Tom go to that one? No, uh, he didn't come in my car anyway. No, I don't think so. Did uh, did Phil and Rob come with us? Then? Yeah, yeah. Did we all go. Yeah, 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 yeah. I drove all three of you. I wonder why. I wonder if Stu didn't fancy it or something. Oh, you just said, you can't drive, Stu. <laughs> Rob first can. Stu <laughs> could drive before anyone on planet, honestly. Yeah, drive at two. <laughs> um, well, yeah, that was a fun night. That was a fun night. And it was the first to like um, quite a lot of those sorts of things. Um, I mean, I'm trying to think if, well, I mean, I suppose going back, like you used to watch us in church hall, didn't you? Mm -hmm. 
Literally. I mean, you'd um, when when we first sort of got together, you'd come up and watch us practice in church, all. Like, not that I don't think like the first couple, because I think you know the thing that kind of transcended through your career as a musician is you would ultimately massively professional, which you might you know to look, meet you now, people might think, oh, he's not really that professional. But even <laughs> even at that time, like you you, you just got the band together, or, and I remember um, like I'd, I'd say, oh, you're coming to play snooker or whatever, like we used to do at the time. You go, no, I'm rehearsing. I'd be like, re- you're rehearsing for what? And he's like, well, we've got a gig in twelve weeks. I'm like, it's twelve <laughs> weeks away. Let's, you know, why can't we go play snooker or you know go watch a film or something? But then you said, oh, just come up with church hall and watch us practice. And I remember to this day, it must have been it was like '99 summer of, um, and just walking up from where Slate Bolly is now up to the church hall, and the, the windows were open, and you're playing Human or something like that. And I just remember it coming banging out of the. The, the windows was thinking this is just incredible like you know I'd, I'd seen you in bands before do you know what I mean playing with you know with your brother with you know um, various people and it was always kind of derivative of the sounds of the time like you know Shed 7 or Oasis or whatever Yeah. But with this I remember walking in that first day and thinking this is just like completely fresh like just something I'd, I'd not heard before and you just like knock out a few other ones that were just amazing then like you'd like you'd have a break or that you'd stay on stage just like riff out like pumping on your stereo or, so, or something that I would like or oh, Bruce yeah, would yeah. like or something just just to you know entertain us as, <laughs> as people at the back of the the the, uh, the room but then like that carried on for a while but then it, it kind of got really serious when you moved to the commercial pub upstairs because that's what we used to do in it really we used to go play a pool all the fucking time yeah. and, and like go watch films and then you started working at Warner yeah, yeah. you started working at Warner Village that was the free ticket exactly so <laughs> it was just like oh my god fucking Ellie works in a cinema <laughs> just like free fucking films all the time and the uh, snack and shit as well. Um, so we'd come down and watch a, watch a free film and then we'd go play snooker at the Northern Snooker Centre. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, and there'd always be a Mackey's stop as well oh, back in them days. Yeah. My, obs- my obsession is not a new thing, <laughs> trust me. <laughs> but yeah, so can you remember the first gig that you came to? Well, I mean, it, you know, it must have been when we were like playing Davids and stuff da- like that, obviously. Davids, and yeah. um, we played Legion as well, didn't we? Yeah, I remember, I can't remember the first proper the, one because there were so many Davids and Legion. And the, like the Davids and Legion gigs were kind of interchangeable with like you and, you know, Guns and Oatcakes and just <laughs> stuff that I did. But no, no offense, like you were, you were far better than Guns and Oatcakes. But, uh, <laughs> but like I'd go and watch them with you, do you know what I mean? At, Davids or we'd go down to cast to watch Rob Dickinson's band or something like that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, so all yeah. them kind of watching Standish's band, they're all kind of interchangeable memories to me. I think the first kind of proper gigs that you played in town were the kind of ones that you start to think, oh, this is, you know, this is something different now than just, you know, playing the welfare or Legion yeah, whatever. That's yeah, what yeah. I was going to ask you. Like, when did you, you know, wh- when was it for you that you realized, wait a minute, this is, uh, I know I play guitar, but this guy plays different. <laughs> Uh, well, day one for that. Yeah, <laughs> day, as, as soon as he met day me. What, day one. Yeah. Um, I remember listening to my uh, mum and dad were talking about that, actually, when they, they came around just after that listening party. And they, I told them about the listening party and they were saying, oh, well, we used to, like, when Adam used to come around, we used to love it because we could hear him upstairs, like, playing playing guitar really well, like, far better than you could play. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, thanks for that. Oh, that's great um, parents, yeah. Like, maybe, like, early 2000, I think, for, as a band, I would I used to really get a real kick off um, taking people who hadn't seen them to watch them probably all the way through 2000 and 2001 you could you could always find someone who'd not heard of them who'd not seen them yeah. and like I was saying before about going to see mates bands who were always quite derivative like you would take someone on the premise oh it's my mates band do you want to come watch my mates band at the Duchess or whatever and they go oh yeah 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 that's that's fine and then I just love to watch the faces like you'd open with angels play or dance whatever you want to call it and then I just love to watch their faces 
throughout that song just go what is this and then at the end of like right at the very end like your you know fingers are going mad on the fret phil does a little like drum like roll thing at the end and i just turn to them the jaws will be on the floor and they go what the fucking hell was that and i was like it's incredible isn't it like this is the, this is the most amazing thing i've ever seen i was like they're just the, the different grave and the, the funny thing about like um the, you played the duchess really early like in 2000 or something like that and um i took my cousin because he'd come up for some uh football games to some leeds match and then he went i met him again at the well, i've obviously seen him loads of times since he went to my wedding and all that kind of stuff but i met him at the the last dance gig and he goes to me oh i've always wanted to see these guys live and i was like you did uh, <laughs> at, in at the duchess in 2000 like that was them. <laughs> like, oh, wow. Yep. <laughs> well, I mean, that's something that I, like I've talked about again on this podcast that I used to get off on massively going to like, you know, crowds that just weren't expecting it. And I always go back to the Coldplay crowd, but there's been other, you know, like on like when you got, when you're playing to Incubus crowd, you know, they're sort of maybe going to expect something a little bit more. Sure. Yeah, but like if unlike the Coldplay tour, especially that was just amazing that watching people's faces. But certainly even back in the day, definitely, because like Rob says, around that time, you know, everyone, all the sort of amateur bands, if you want to call it that, all sounded the same, all doing the same covers. Covers. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. With the same singers butchering the, you know, those those said covers. And then there we were sort of making our own sounds and with Rob doing his thing over top of it. So, you know, even even like when we were playing, you know, did you come to that gig we played at Freeport down Cass? Yes, where you lost the Battle of the Bands. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we lost. Oh, my God. That was a terrible experience. But, oh, God. But like listening to the podcast with, with Tim uh, Vigan, uh, his experience of watching you at that Bright Young Things, he just completely, the contrast to mine, because I remember listening to him and he was going, well, these four scruffy young lads come out and we couldn't believe the noise, but we'd seen you so many times kind of building up to that. We were 100% convinced that you would win because everybody else in Leeds, the Leeds music scene at, at that level was shit. Yeah. And you were all, you know, there was one band that sounded like Queen, one band sounded like, do you know what I mean? Oasis, Shed 7. And you just come out, played, you know, four songs, ended with an instrumental. And, I, you know, I, I'm saying to people at the time, you, there's no way that they're not going to win this. We had just complete 100% belief that you would. It was a it was a funny feeling that still still remember that actually um, you know I I had no I had no expectation I don't think any of us had any expectations of that I don't think we thought we'd win because we didn't think we'd win that with the heat we thought that rockabilly band would win <laughs> because they were well polished <laughs> yeah, yeah. man they were like this uh, this fifties sort of rockabilly vibe and they were really good did you know what I mean they were really tight and they played really well and uh, you know I think we were like oh you know. But yeah, we didn't expect to win that heat, and then you go through to the final, and we're in fact didn't the lead, didn't the singer of one of the bands do a stage dive and no yeah, one caught the, him? Yeah, the, that Queen type band. I can't remember what they're called. I probably got a ticket somewhere. Yeah, that must have been a bit of a bit of an awkward, awkward moment. But yeah, that I mean, yeah, it was nuts winning that. It was nuts. I mean, as much as everything kept sort of building, you still remember that initial like what the fuck we've we've won. I mean, you know, not that. Yeah, I mean, and again. I've said it before, the fact we won that competition didn't do anything. Do you know what I mean? Other than exposures to Tim, that was what we won out of that competition was the exposure to, uh, because Tim Vigan was one of the judges, it, yeah. you know, that was the 
that was the real success out of that evening that we met a guy with such drive and, um, you know, who such drive and such vision and who believed in us instantly. That's what we won from that competition. You know, yeah. in terms of actual physical things, you know, I think... You won a nice guitar, I seem to remember. I got, yeah, I won like a Dan Electro. <laughs> no, it was, there was something, it was a really nice guitar. I can't remember what it was, but... Well, Tim well I, I had a Dan Electro that were like, like lighter than a paper airplane and there were a bass guitar. I think it was John Ormbiscues. I think what it basically was, yeah, but like yeah, I think so. some sort of deal with John Ormbiscues and we got some instruments they were pretty poxy but that, again that doesn't matter the fact of the matter was that we met you know tim biggin who um uh you know navigated all the all our early career and set it up with the rest of our management so that was what we won out yeah. of that but yeah i remember um, saying to him uh when he was on i remember saying oh man i'm so glad that you discovered them and he was like oh no no they would have been discovered without me he goes i was just <laughs> glad to get them first <laughs> So, yeah, I think it was even though that you won and you met him that night, it seems to me like uh, you guys were on a trajectory to becoming a big band, whether or not you won that contest. Well, I guess we'll never know, really. Well, I mean, I mean, like Rob says, there was no doubt that I was like a missile in them days. I'm more so now in terms of just being focused. And I was having, you know, no disrespect, Rob, but like making tunes with them three lads were just a lot more fun than doing anything else. Do you know what I mean? than sort of doing the sort of shit we were doing, which don't get me wrong, I've never laughed as much in my entire life, I don't think. But, in, you know, once once the sort of discovered making music with them lads, it, that's all that everything were about for me, literally. That's um, got to be an interesting perspective because you knew him before all that happened. And then all of a sudden to be like, oh, this is that guy, but now he's that guy. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's interesting. Like, like Deg was saying last week, though, um, it it just didn't seem to change anything about Adam as a, as a human, as a person, you know what I mean? You, I would speak to you. We'd just have exactly the same conversations in 2003, mm. you know, when everything had properly kicked off that we would have done in 1999. Do you know what I mean, for me, nothing, nothing had changed apart from you were that guy on that stage. And that, that was, that was the, you, you know, the only, nothing at all changed about you. You just, you know, carried on yeah, yeah. being who you were. Well, based on what yeah. Deg said, it seems like his work ethic changed. <laughs> Well, my work ethic changed because I found something that I loved instantly. Do you know what I mean? It wasn't about work ethic. It was just instinct. That's all that was. It was like, this is great. And I could see it being greater. You know, it's all about instinct. But I think in terms of the sort of, I don't know, like when everything kicked off, you almost became like a bit of a Pied Piper for our fans, didn't you? If you know what I mean. That's what Jenny Jordan called me, the Pied Piper of nerds. Which <laughs> the Pied Piper of the music nerds. But it, it was weird because they were like, there you were and you were at these gigs, but you, you were with these people that clearly saw me differently to how yes. you yeah, did. Yeah. And like, I think you used to sort of get off on that and oh, like, yeah. you'd just be like throwing a social hand grenade at me. Do you know what I mean? Because you'd be like, oh, come and meet, come and meet, you know, come and meet some of your biggest fans. And you're just like, uh, do you know what I mean? And I don't know, there were a bit of me that found that awkward, especially back then when I was incredibly socially awkward, much more so than I, I'm still a bit, but nowhere near to the degree that I was. And it, it, it was sometimes difficult uh, well it was it's always difficult and you, you you sort of take that into account in like japanese signing sessions and stuff when there's like loads of people there and they're all staring at you and it can be quite sort of intimidating so the what there was an element of it, it, it that's kind of, that kind of got in the way with me and you a little mm-hmm. bit yeah, yeah. i mean not not sort of perilously but it it got in the way of you coming to the gigs and me and you hanging out you know yeah. what i mean because yeah, i'd yeah. be like well you know you're with 
you're with those people that stare at me, and I don't, yeah. I, do, I don't mean that in, a, I don't, I don't mean that in a disrespectful way at all. But it's one thing sort of going out and hanging around with you and chatting with you, who's known me since I was like 14, um, because you see me in a certain way, like I say. But then I don't know. It kind of, and it might not be true to it. It might, you know, it might be sort of my sort of hyperfixation on it or paranoia almost. But I, you know, I, I always just felt awkward in those situations. Yeah. I mean, like, from my perspective on that, I guess, you know, I loved you as a fella and I loved the music you were doing and all these people loved you too. And I'm like, wow, well, these people love him and I love this guy. So let's all, let's all yeah. just get together and yeah, you just get play, pissed. You, you just play the hero, <laughs> basically. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, he knows the guitarist. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, speaking to women, that made that... Uh, that, that <laughs> speaking to your female fans, that made that... That conversation an awful lot easier. Oh my god! I was god. definitely going to ask that. Like, and and it can be anything. But what what are some of the? Did you any stories of benefits in general? Like to whether it was hanging out with them backstage or going places with them. Did that? Well, I think, I think it's clip. Oh, that that was just you know a minor minor perk. I liked how you just brushed over the fact that it was a, a minor perk. The the female side of things. You probably you well. There's no probably about it. You you'll have taken more of advantage of that than I bloody did. In fact. <laughs> In fact, there was someone that we knew who was actually going out in town impersonating me. That honestly, you not remember that? I'm not going to out him on the podcast. It would be cruel, but there was someone going out impersonating me and effectively (laughs) pulling off the back of it, pretending to be me. I was getting getting fucking messages from people on like early Facebook when I were on there for the first time saying, oh, we met in town last night. This sounds like like an incredible alibi. No, it wasn't me. Someone pretending (laughs) to be me going. (laughs) Asking for child support. <laughs> but yeah, man. Like, can you remember like the first really fucking big gig? I mean, was it like Empress Ballroom? But yeah, I mean, you you came to the first tours, didn't you? Like yeah, the yeah. Manchester Roadhouse were the first night of the very first tour. You fucking, you must have come to that. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, yeah, we had a because that 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 one we were. I was speaking to tunes about that the other day. So that was we, we kind of started seeing famous people, or like you know what we perceived as famous people, you know, like John Robb and there were some people from Emmerdale there. Do you know, so like, not like, you know, not like John Lennon and Paul McCartney had, you know, walked <laughs> in and reformed the Beatles, but people who we recognise like celebrities going down to like check out your gigs. That was one of the first ones where you think, oh, actually this is, this is a bit weird. But then for me, kind of as you progressed over the next 18 months, it was like levels. I think the next one, the warehouse gig in Leeds for me was kind of monumentally seismic at that time. The one you did with the coral. Yeah. That was incredible. And then you kind of, I think took a bit of a sabbatical from, from, from live gigs. And then, but like mid 2002 just started smashing festivals and we, we came to tea in the park to see you in 2002, mid 2002. And that was just unbelievable. Just like from two years from winning Brighton things to seeing you kind of, you know, mid festival afternoon slot in a tent was just. Hmm. Yeah. I remember incredible. that. I remember those tea in the parks. Yeah. I think like you say, we did, I think the choral gig, that was like, what that was like three gigs or it two gigs. Uh, you played one in Liverpool and one in Leeds. I think it was just two gigs. Yeah. 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 So that'll have been in between tours. I think like you say, but yeah, I mean, like didn't David Beckham come to see us at fucking Manchester so. Apollo? Oh, actually we, we were supporting Oasis. Didn't come to see us. Did he fucking? <laughs> I queued overnight to get those Oasis tickets, by the way, outside Manchester Apollo. And then you told me a week later that you were supporting them. And I was like, oh, well, thank, thanks for that. No, that says, that says me putting you on fucking guest list <laughs> yeah, then. Yeah. Jesus Christ. But yeah, man, um, like, you know, how many gigs? Because did, did you ever come to Japan to see us? No. Did, did you no, come to no, America, no. though, didn't you? No, 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 no. no. We, we we tried to look at ways of getting to see you in Europe, but we just couldn't, like, we just never, never got there. Because I was working, do you know what I mean? Like, I guess the first 
kind of two years of the band, I was at, you know, university and just starting work and, you know, just kind of tossing it off really. And, you know, just spending all the money I had, you know, filling the car up with petrol, getting anybody who would want to go to one, like you were playing in Leicester or Birmingham or Edinburgh. And yeah. I'd be like, right, uh, who wants to come and see the music in yeah, yeah. Leicester? And like four people would go, yeah, me, right, give me five pounds <laughs> for petrol. And then we'd just fill the car up and, you know, go down to Leicester for the evening. I, because I just didn't want to miss, I didn't want to miss a single gig, you know, because no, you were, I get I, it. That point, you were just red hot, yeah. and I thought I I don't want to look back in five years and think, well, you know, I went to work or I, you know, just went to the pub because I had work the next day. Uh, if I turn up, you know, if I only had three hours sleep and I can, you know, turn up and do a job, then then that'll do. But like when you started playing the US stuff like that, I was having to take work a little bit more seriously. So there's never was the opportunity to to do that. But um, you know, I did say that if you played Japan on this uh, following the Temple Newsman gig, if anything ever did come up there, I would go to that. But yeah, no, nothing, nothing that extreme. I think the furthest I went was probably Glasgow. All oh, right. That's, I, th- I thought you'd been to the States, man. No, I no, no. You, I thought you'd been to the States in the States. Well, anyway. Maybe that's just someone pretending to be me like that. Pretending <laughs> to be you. Totally got a fallen for that. <laughs> yeah, I saw them in, uh, I saw them in Florida and it was early days and they were killing it. They just came out with Welcome to the North and I was a big fan already. And I was like, man, I'm going to, I'm going to see them every time they come. And then they never yeah. came back. <laughs> I was like, oh man, that's why when I, when I, I just remember saying, man, if I, if they ever come near Florida ever again, I'm, I'm going. And then, and then I got, when you were going to Temple Newsom, I'm like close enough. <laughs> I'm flying. Over. Well, yeah, man. Um, you know, I think we did quite a lot of tours in America and, and you, like you say, you must have caught us right at the back end of it, really. Yeah. Uh, cause we did do quite a few. And then obviously when the second album didn't sort of take off over there as much as they envisaged it would, you know, once that happens, you know, you're not, you're not going back touring there. Cause it obviously it costs a lot of fucking money basically. But yeah, we had, I mean, we have, we obviously had some amazing tours out there and, you know, there were some classic gigs that you missed, but you know, like, I'm just trying to think, have you got a favorite gig? Um, the, I guess for me, it's like favorite gigs of different eras, if you know what I mean. So like different phases of the band, um, yeah, yeah. Glasgow Barrowlands <clears throat> 2003, definitely, you know, ranks highly up there. Um, was that the first time? Was that the, our headline that, one? Yeah, or? The, yeah. First, the, the, the first. You, you played Brixton, Middlesbrough, Manchester and Glasgow. Oh, yeah. yeah, um, yeah. And yeah, we, I went up to Glasgow with um, Eggy and um, a couple of other people. And um, we, we'd kind of like, we'd been on the beers all day. <laughs> and then we, um, I'd kind of just been seeing this girl at the time. And I brought her, brought her along with her. I was trying to impress her and you'd give us these two kind of backstage passes and I was like I said to Eggy right well I'll take her in or I'll go and see Nutter I'll get two more passes <laughs> and I'll come out and I'll and I'll get you right okay walked in saw you and you're like oh just help yourself to any of them beers and I was like oh right yeah okay we'll do so start drinking beers half an hour later Eggy's on the phone he's like I'm, I'm outside it's January it's Glasgow I'm freezing come and let me in I was like all right yeah sorry so then I got him in we started more again on the beers again and then um you and Rob did a duet of Stay Another Day by E17 <laughs> Um, what? Just to the amusement of, of people. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, it's the, I just wish that you know camera phones had existed in that area because that would that would have been an absolute beaut. That was funny. I do. I remember it, man. But then the the, the embarrassing part about that gig was that um, like later on, somebody I can't remember who might have been Tim or somebody from your crew had kind of announced that you were had booked um, Blackpool Empress Ballroom and Bridge Spa, and I was drunk and I was going, well, they'll not sell that out. And, all, and everyone's going, yeah, they will. I'm going, listen, pal, 
right? No disrespect, but he pays your wages. So you're not going to disagree with him. And I'm telling you now, they're not going to sell them out. And he's like, well, they will do. And I said, right, if they sell those gigs out, I will walk down Kipax High Street from the Royal Oak to the War Memorial with my trousers down. <laughs> In full belief that it wouldn't happen because I just, you know, you've gone on such a, like a big rise. I just couldn't see any way in which that would happen. Anyway, like you sold it out in about 10 seconds. Yeah, I don't think it lasted <laughs> long, that one. And did you did you keep up your end of the um, bargain? I, uh, Phil Jordan, I was out drinking with Phil and Jenny like many years later, like 10 years after that. And, and they made and you do it? Phil made me do it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> That's Phil, um, yeah, that one, um, other gigs, um, just a, like a really random one. So on the Welcome to the North Tour, you played Hull University. Oh, yeah. um, and the atmosphere before the gig was just incredible. Like, absolutely. The place was bouncing. Like, the, the entire crowd was, like, moshing to, like, whatever songs were on before you came out. And as soon as you come out, first song, loads of pints just went flying. One went straight on the soundboard, and you just had to cut it off after about two songs yeah. and then started again the play honestly it was just like it was a jungle it was absolutely nuts that gig I remember it it was ferocious um, I mean we had some you know we had some mental gigs at, in Glasgow Barrowlands especially but to be honest that whole one almost rivaled it it was it, were, it, were, it was carnage it was absolute carnage mm. wasn't it and uh, I remember Davey saying to me as well when all sound went off obviously uh, once we'd actually found that I don't think I mean how quickly did it come back on I can't remember did, um, did we have to go into dressing room yeah you did yeah you went it wasn't like the cockpit in 2006 where you just kept jamming and yeah, yeah. it came back on we went, in, uh, went into the dressing room yeah, yeah you did definitely and I think Davey came into the dressing room and really like the sound guy and said look a guy put his pint on the table I told him to take it off the next thing I know he's knocked it all over the desk and it just cut out oh my goodness um, but I mean that's that's happened a few times and it? it happened well I mean you know like the sound cutting out obviously there's the time that we've talked about at the at the, at the rocket yeah, yeah. where everyone we just kept doing song and it was just amazing and then it would kill university and I can't really remember what we did there I think that word fire alarm went off <laughs> Were you at that one? No, no, I didn't go. That. I think that were a. I think that were a back to dressing room job. Someone will probably update us on Twitter. <laughs> uh, I think that were a back to dressing room job. But I mean, you know, that's just that's fucking live music, isn't it? And uh, you never know what's going to happen in that sense. Which coincidentally is what always used to feed my bloody fear of that stuff. You know, but when there's a power cut, there's fuck all you can do about that. Mm-hmm. But I tell you what, I never forget. Right, you know, we were tight as fuck back in the day. Even really back in the day, we were really, really tight as a band. And it like the first time, and we just got into like smoking weed or whatever. And it was first time in Amsterdam, and like everyone would like like I were massively buzzing. Do you know what I mean? Obviously, like first time in Amsterdam, oh, this is going to be insane. <laughs> and I remember we got there, and Tim obviously came with us, and Tim were like, right, you know, you, you're not allowed. Hardly, you're not allowed very much. And I remember thinking, what the fuck, man? Do you know what I mean? What's going on here? And he was like, no, come on. Do you know what I mean? Like, you've got a gig. Um, you can't be getting too messed up. Um, and, and I remember before it, the gig? Yeah, this was before the gig. Yeah, okay. like probably okay. before the gig. And he was saying, you can't get too messed up. And I was seething about him. Eh? But he let, us, he let us have a little smoke anyway. It didn't fucking matter either way. <laughs> but I never forget, we'd never really had a bad gig. No one had ever gone wrong. And then that fucking night, oh my God, everything fucking went wrong. Everyone, like Phil's drum kit fell apart. My pedal board <laughs> just fucking randomly stopped working. My amp kept turning itself off. And I just remember thinking, oh, for fuck's sake. Do you know what I mean? But uh, there was a bootlegger that I like, did rounds at the time. It was like Eurockings or whatever it was called. Some, or some or London Calling Festival or something in Amsterdam. Um, I think well, there was that one with Groningen I were talking about yeah, just okay. then. That were a Groningen gig. But I mean, you know, that's another thing about you, isn't it? In it, that sort of all the 
the bootlegs and Ooh, stuff. Rob, yeah, you probably have but a he, treasure trove. Oh, but he's got it in his backpack. He's brought. He's got a backpack. He, he walks in with a backpack, and I'm like, "What's in backpack?" And he's like, "Oh, I've got all kinds of stuff here." And I'm oh, like, "What? Let's, like, let's do it. Props. Do you know what I mean? He's got. He's got a hard drive with all kinds of oh. unheard stuff. Uh, early demos. Is this a demo thief? Uh, uh, no. Yeah. I, I, actually, um, the hard drive. You've got to thank uh, King Nerd Matthew Watson for uh, uh, compiling well, a lot of that stuff. The music collector. Yes. The music collector himself. Well, shout out to Matty Watson actually because he, you know, he is actually a super fan. And, and again, not in a negative sense, Rob. No, it's not, it's not a negative term. Um, but I mean, he has done loads of great work, sort of designing that website himself and putting oh, all yeah, that that's together. Amazing. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I don't know anything about that sort of stuff, but I, I can't imagine it's really, really easy maybe it is but anyway he put a lot of effort into doing that and um you know compiling all the sort of bootlegs and even reaching out for permission to do so yeah, do you yeah, know yeah, i just yeah. thought, thought it showed a bit of class to be honest um and yeah fully fully support that that sort of site and you know more than willing to sort of contribute to to stuff as and when i find stuff that you know might sort of uh be of note on there but i mean you know there must have been a lot of bootlegs that were bloody recorded oh. by you <laughs> no, i was too drunk <laughs> well, yeah, just living in the moment. Well, and that's the thing with you as well is you, you know, you're a bit like me. You same same height as me, aren't you? Yeah. So you'd always stick out. Oh, okay. You know, I don't. Wherever we were, wherever we were playing, I'd always see him going absolutely fucking nuts. Definitely, and or just shouting stupid things like pie and peas or pie and, yeah. five for a pound your gaslighters or something. <laughs> <laughs> five for a pound your gaslighters. Just right in the middle of the, just in the middle of the mosh pit, like right between songs or something. Me, Standish. Tunesy would just go five for a pound. You got letters, Liz as well. Just <laughs> chiming in with uh, some great shouts. Oh my god, I, I'd forgotten that that individual chant. Um, oh, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, some would class it actually as heckling. To be fair, some, would, but no, I mean, that that was pure funny. love. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, what about set list for Temple Newsom? Is there anything that you're like, oh, they have to play? Other than the the we know they're going to play getaway and and take the long road but anything that is out of the normal fringe that you think they just must play um that's a good question well obviously the standard open dance end walls is yeah. the uh, you know is the standard we need we need that um i for me personally um i would like cessation but i know phil is too old to play that <laughs> These days, unfortunately, I think his arms would probably fall off. I don't, I don't think he'd disagree. I don't think he'd disagree. Well, he shot down healer. <laughs> no, honestly, oh, yeah. go on then, speak totally openly, because I know you must be sensitive to the fact that, you know, like, I'm quite sensitive to people being like, well, why don't you fucking play that? <laughs> and it's like, I've never fucking played it before. <laughs> why you play open your mind? Yeah, well, you know, we played it when we wrote it. We've never played it since. Well, do you know what I mean? Like, um, I am quite funny about people sort of, as we've talked about before, sort of trying to just su- suggest all the most obscure B sides. <laughs> but go on, you know, if you go on. <laughs> no, that, you know, the thing about that gig, like nobody wants deep cuts from that gig. It, for me, that's like the party event of the summer. Do you know, and people like we used to talk about, you know, people coming on at festivals and playing new stuff, and you're like, no, nobody wants to hear your new stuff. No one wants to hear, you know. I mean, I want to hear obscure B-sides because I'm a loser, but, you know, 95% of that crowd <laughs> yeah. want you to come on, play the dance, you know, and then, in fact, the the last gigs you played at Brixton and Leeds Academy, I thought, like, the opening kind of salvo from that was just, you know, absolutely, you know, well played with, I think it was Dance, Long Road, Truth, Freedom Fighters, you know what I mean? Just, like, onslaught. All of, the hits. Onslaught yeah, yeah. of bangers just to kick everyone off then. Take it down. I mean, I'd love to hear Turnout Not Like again. 
what well, or, or disco. In fact, if, yeah, if, 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 if if second requests, disco would be the the ultimate. Well, disco gets my guess. D- disco definitely gets my seal of approval. I would feel I mean, robbed if you didn't play disco. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I can't even remember why that we did. That did go off the set list in the end. Yeah. I don't know if it's just as we got further through the albums and we had to, you know, obviously think about set lists and including the new album stuff. So some stuff obviously had to make way, but it's one thing, we, it's one we haven't played in ages, but, you know, I'd love to pull Disco back out. I personally love to pull Turn Out the Light back out, but I oh, yeah. don't think that's, I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think so. Um, no, I don't think that's going to happen, but I'd, uh, I'd, I'd buzz off that. Anything but float. Anything but float, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I think you know, there's other things that could be uh, reincarnated before floor. I mean, we played that live like fucking once in Japan, man. But um, you played it at Leicester Princess Charlotte as well, just FYI. <laughs> no, fair enough. Fair enough. I'm really, like I say, mate, you fucking remember a lot of that stuff better than me. The only, I think, the only video I've seen of it was in Japan. Yes. Pretty early doors. I was going to um, quiz you, but I don't think it's worth it. I think you pretty much know all the answers. <laughs> Well, honestly, I'd be fascinated to know what you were going to try and catch him out with, Pete. Do you know what I mean? Because, as, as I say, he knows Jay knows it's better I'm than me. now. That's <laughs> it. What was the very first music demo? Well. Well. He, well. He, he probably don't know the answer. You probably don't know the answer. I do. This, Pete. I'm staring at it. Oh, well. Oh, well. On, um, I would say. Well, hold on, on, hold on, hold on. Is it the very first the music demo or oh, the very right, first yeah, no, that's a, yeah, incense that's, that's demo? A no, 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 no. It's not that. It's with those four guys. No, no, no. But yeah. we, we were incense. Yeah. That's what we I mean, were, so. The very the first, first. The first one that you kindly let me have a copy of had uh, Sun Up, Sun Down, Body or Soul, Walls Get Smaller, and Angels Play on it. So, so that's the one from the Harbury studio. Yeah. That's that's the first one you let me have. And probably the last one you what, let me What have you got as the answer, Pete? Lifeline. No, Pete, that's well late, man. That's really? what Lifeline. Oh, yeah, man. Yeah, see, see, there okay. you go. Yeah, yeah. Lifeline was one of the first ones we did with Will Jackson. Um, <laughs> Liz we- Murphy gave me a copy of Lifeline on cassette, which I still have at home. Did Liz but, have that? Yeah, but I don't, I don't, I don't know why Liz had it. At- well, I mean, this is just a thing, man. Do you know, like all sorts of our demos have just got out over the years, and you're just like, how the frig has that got out, man? Do you know what I mean, like? Yeah, I your, don't. Your dad leaking them. That's not my fucking. <laughs> wasn't wasn't my blood. <laughs> it wasn't my bloody dad. Bless him. He'd be mortified. No, I mean, no, it's it doesn't really matter. I was going to ask you, but I know you know this one, but I think a lot of folks don't. But the original title of the dance, but I'm sure you know that. Oh, uh, angels play. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think it was actually where angels play was. Well. It? Was it? Well, <laughs> well that's actually, um, I've got that. The, you did a CD for Bright Young Things, and I've got that on, so I could, I could, and that's got the song title on it, so I could dig oh, that nice. out for. Uh, well, I mean, it's in the loft, but I've got the entire performance on video. I've got the entire Bright Young Things final at the t- at the TNC on video that my dad oh, shot. Love to watch I, that. Yeah, man, I keep talking about. Um, I keep talking about putting that up and what we might do with that, Pete, is that that could be a good um, like a patron watch along yeah. thing. Do you know what I mean? Like a like a watching party that could be pretty cool. Uh, but yeah, like literally got the got those gigs. Um, save that for the documentary that we're going to do later. Josie Swell, yeah, yeah, Josie Swell. In fact, I saw. I, I think um, Phil and Jen had that on their their home movies. Oh, just telling me about that. Oh yeah, absolutely amazing. Hopefully, you captured Get It On because that was a that was the highlight of that set. Yeah, do you know what? I'm trying to think where that exa- that I, Get It On. I'm sure is on that Sponge demo. It's on that. I'd drive that. Is it? Is it fucking hell? Honestly. 
<laughs> I'm going to need to get some stuff off that, I'm telling you. Because, um, yeah, get it on was actually pretty cool, man. Yeah. I'm sure, like, it had, an, it had a, and I'm sure it was on that Sponge Studio Sessions. You were listening to The Police a lot at that time. Yeah, The Police and Bob Marley. Yeah, yeah, yeah Police and Bob Marley. Um, and in fact, in fact, I even remember uh, Tim and Robert Coalition being a bit like, like, it's almost, like, too catchy this you know what I mean I, I think if we put this out now it might sort of do you know what I mean cement you almost as a fucking pop band or something yeah. because it were a really catchy tune <laughs> there, actually. and I, I could never understand why it, ne- it never materialised after that it's quite a few songs that you did that were so good and then just kind of disappeared yeah like so, when, when you were doing the the like just before the third album like you used to come around to your house all the time play Pro Evo and like you'd play Pro Evo for like three hours and then you go oh well, I've just done a new song in my studio do you want to hear it and I'd go yeah yeah and you put the price on and I was like oh my goodness yeah just this isn't like this is incredible. And I was like, who's done this? It's like just me and Rob. And I was like, this is just this is the most I can I said I can hear this on Radio One. This is like yeah. proper commercial. And then you like you went to record the album, you come back, and I would always when you'd done an album, I'd come around your house and, and I'd listen to it. And like you gave me the like the CD track thing, and I was like, Where's the price? And you're like, Oh, we got bored of it. I was like, What do you mean? <laughs> when you got bored of it? You can't get bored of it, pretty honest with this one. Well, I I mean, I love I mean, that's to be honest, it's exactly what I'm doing now. Like the buzz that, but to be honest, it was different back then because there were a lot of pressure. Mm-hmm. The reason I, me and Rob went to writing in my bedroom, like we were, is because we kind of lost the spark as a band mm-hmm. and we knew that we had to create. And that's where I found my love of sort of just sitting there and building up tracks from the ground up and then sort of getting Rob to to vibe on them. And, you know, that being the basis for, for the songs that we wrote. And that's exactly what I'm doing now. But yeah, I used to absolutely, it's all I were about. And in the same way that like right now, that's what I'm doing. Um, absolutely thriving, doing it as well. Uh, and it's, it's, it's different as well because I'm doing it with a lot more freedom now. Whereas back then it were almost like creating ideas for for the music, really. Yeah. Whereas now it's just, you know totally creating ideas for myself. Uh, but yeah, you used to come round and we used to have lengthy pro evo sessions, as um, you know, as everyone did back in them fucking days. Everyone were playing pro evo, yeah, and uh, yeah, like you say, we'd go up and listen to demos and. Um, you know, there'll have been all the just because I'm alone and the yeah, rain yeah, and yeah, all yeah. them things that come out of uh, a lot of them B sides, traps. Yeah. A lot of the stuff we did with um, Rick McNamara, yeah, yeah. actually. When you've yeah. done Welcome yeah. to the North, I remember going around to your house and you played me on an iPod and you were the first person I'd ever seen who had an iPod. You were like, oh, you've got to listen to on this. I'm like, what the hell is this? And you're like, it's got every song on it. And I'm like, <laughs> what, on this thing? This thing? You were like, yeah. I was like, wow, this is just, this is incredible. I do <laughs> remember having it on that iPod. <laughs> so he played Welcome to the North for you on an iPod before you ever heard it anywhere else? Yeah. That, uh, so he, he, he basically come back from Atlanta and he was like, oh, come around and come around and listen to it. And I was just thinking, oh, he'd put it on the stereo or, you know, something normal. He's like, oh, I've got this iPod. And because obviously, he's, you know, he's a massive tech head. Yeah. And uh, it obviously just wanted to show me this iPod rather than just, you know, put it on the, rather than, you know, say, listen to this on the iPod. That really, like, that, that welcomes the North. That really doesn't sound like me, man. I'd have probably, I'd have sure I'd have wanted to put it on big speakers for you. <laughs> I think you had some good headphones. <laughs> oh, well, that, yeah, that, that sounds more like me as well. But yeah, um, we did that in Japan as well with PSPs. Uh, I think PSPs come out literally, you know, portable PlayStations. They come out literally a year uh, before anywhere else, but in Japan, and we we were there when they came out, so we all came back with PSPs and everyone were like, what the fuck <laughs> yeah. is that? It wasn't that good, actually, but never mind. <laughs> so, Rob, um, what else have you got in your in your big bag of memorabilia? Um, well, you asked me to think about my favourite gigs, so I went one step further and brought some of the tickets along with me. All oh, right. I know this doesn't make <laughs> great radio. 
Well, I want to see them, so that's yeah. looking. My reaction will be summer. I'm just, I'm just interested in what artifacts you you have brought in such a plenty of artifacts. Um, so the, this this one um, you were talking about, um, I can't remember where you'd like you said you've done 30 podcasts. So I'm not sure who you were talking about with, but you were saying that you'd gone to see um, incense when it was Rob, oh, Alex, yeah. Phil, and Chewy. Yeah, yeah. And I went with you. And I can remember exactly where we stood watching that gig, and you kept going to me. Well, he's better than this. He's so much better than this. <laughs> And like halfway through, I know disrespect to that band because, you know, we went to things and enjoyed it, but they did like this thing where they all stopped and like clapped their hands above their heads. And you were going, well, well, this isn't it. This is a disgrace. I'm going to go into school next week. I've been jammed with him. And I'm going to form a band with him. And that is, that is just about the end of that. I just remember you being absolutely average, but that is the, uh, that is the ticket from that gig. Wow. Open. That's awesome. Yeah. No, I remember it. Fucking hell. Sugar valve. <laughs> Who else played? Stanley, Stanley Rides. So Adam, yeah, well, put his, Adam put his foot down on the, the, the claps over the hands, but then they went yeah, and that's, that's the exact, yeah. belly slaps. Well, <laughs> I mean, like, as I've said before, I just, I started making these riffs and sounds on guitar and I loved it. And yeah. I loved Rob's voice. I've been jamming with him at music block and then, you know, watching him in this, you know, sort of other band that were just sort of doing covers. And yeah. like Rob says, I was just there thinking, I, I want him to sing over this stuff that I'm doing. Do you know what I mean? And it was oh, yeah. a case that he brought Phil from that band. And like I said, Stu, I were really good mates with Stu and I brought Stu and that's that's how we did it. I mean, it's what we've talked about before, to be fair, but that's definitely sort of how it went down. I've got the um, stage times from Leeds 2002. Oh, is um, that the... The Guns N' Roses one. Which is quite notable because you played um, exactly the same time as Guns N' Roses. <laughs> um, and they were on the main stage and um, we were watching that. And Tunesy, who's one of our friends, was saying, well, I've seen the music that many times that I'm just going to stay and watch Guns N' Roses because, you know, this is a once in a lifetime opportunity. So we left him somewhere near the main stage, went over to watch these at the, the Carlin Premier Tent or whatever it was. And again, that's the one where the atmosphere before the gig, I don't know if you remember, but the, the tent was absolutely rampacked full of people yeah, I do chanting. Remember. And it was just like one of them hairs on the back of your neck type of moment. So we watched all that entire gig, uh, which in here, it says you're playing from 10 past 10 until 1 p.m., which <laughs> I find some, like incredible 13-hour gig, but um, <laughs> that didn't happen. Um, so anyway, we went back to, to find tunes exactly where we stood. And, like the, the main stage had all the lights out. And I said to him, oh, are we waiting for them to come back on for the encore? And he goes, no, they've not even come out yet. And I was like, yes, <laughs> I get to see the music and Guns N' Roses, and you've got to stand there and see, uh, yeah. <laughs> An empty stage. That's funny, is that because I think there were quite a few people who did that. They were like, "Oh, I'm going to go see Guns and Roses instead." And I'd so I'd certainly put that up there as one of our fucking best gigs. Oh, yeah. I think. Which is funny because um, GNR was notoriously late anyway. They they always oh, yeah. late. Yeah, yeah, we went to see him in, where were it now? Toronto, were it? Somewhere in Canada anyway. I can't remember exactly. And again, about an hour and a half fucking late on stage, man. Which and it was me, a bucket I don't have, any, I don't have exactly any patience for that. No, no. Well, I f who fucking does? Who fucking does it at a festival? Do you know what I mean? Do you know, you can't be you can't be doing that shit. No. So yeah, man. Um, Pete, anything else you want to talk about? Uh, no, I was enjoying going through his bag, but uh, I'm really curious about what's on that hard drive too. So we might have to uh, figure oh, out I can what get, else. I can get, I can get him to send me stuff. Yeah, definitely. I probably that's the thing is I probably got probably half of it. Probably got half of it. I just fucking don't know myself. Do you know what I mean? I've got a I've got a bloody vault full of fucking CDs and all sorts of shit, but that's the trouble with me back then. And that notes fucking labeled. They're all just blank. They're all just blank CDRs. And when you're looking at a mountain of blank CDRs, you're just like, ah, fucking messing with that. Jesus Christ. Yeah, don't mess with that. Just send them all my way. <laughs> oh, mate. Well, there's fucking tons, to be fair. There's absolutely tons. And especially with all the stuff that's in the 
you know, I was talking about earlier on Twitter when I said that we kind of got those, all those unreleased bits. Do you know what I mean? There's all that to go through as well. There's, you know, there's tons of um, unheard stuff and mental demos and fabled stuff like that fucking track. E, what were it? That, oh, one, yeah. that one that everyone used to go on about where I were playing that trumpet. <laughs> <laughs> I could never work out, right? And I, you know, knew you really well at the time, whether some of that was a joke, like at people's expense, because you talk about this song and like how it was like this, oh, it's just mad, like 15 minute jam and uh, I've got the trumpet out and all this. And like, you, you kind of, you know, it was like a myth, do you know what I mean? Because I'd never heard it. And it, there was, at that point, there was nothing that I hadn't heard because you'd even play me stuff that, like you recorded with Will, like just streams of jammy stuff. Do you know, I'd go down to Soundworks and just, you know, because I had nothing better to do because I'd just finished university and just, you know, chill out listening to all that stuff. And there's like, nothing I'd, I hadn't heard. And you were like, oh, got this song called E. And uh, yeah, it's just, it's, it's just incredible. And I, I never heard it. And I often wondered if it was like a joke, at, like at my expense. <laughs> no, you've, you've heard it, man. You've heard it. I'm sure, sure. I'm sure you've got it. I'm sure you you've got that one that that's it was about 15 minutes long and it was no it wasn't a fucking joke no it were no we took it seriously man it was like a 15 minute far out fucking <laughs> almost like a frank zappa type fucking jam just it was just us having fun making music and try to be you know try to be a little bit fucking different you know what can what can i say we used to play hide and seek so if if, 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 if there's a trumpet there i'm gonna pick it up and try and play it do you know what i mean when when you were um, down there, though, I don't know if you remember, but Embrace were recording their third album. Yeah, uh, that like kind of first summer you were there. You, you invited me down quite a few times. Obviously, we we're quite big Embrace fans, and we walked in, and you're like, "Well, Embrace recording there, and you are not allowed to go in that room." And I was like, yeah, "But can we just can we just have a really quick look?" And you were like, "Well, well, we'll go in, but really quickly, then that's it." Were they in at the time? No, they were oh, out. Right. Okay. And then it was just me and you. And then you were like, "Well, go, in, but don't touch anything." Like next thing you know, I'm like messing with stuff and like Playing picking up lyric sheets and like playing with the tambourine. Like, Put that down. Put that tambourine <laughs> down. Now. Right, we're going next door to listen to the people or whatever. <laughs> but yeah, well, I remember. Um, one's going down there and like we were both like really into Stevie Wonder at the time he's like oh I've written this song and it's like Stevie fucking Wonder on guitar and I was like alright that list this sounds amazing and then you just and I remember it to, the, to this day you just played the people just you on your guitar nothing else in, in the studio and I was like well it does sound an awful lot like Stevie fucking Wonder well there was another one as well I think that I were talking about that Stevie Wonder one um, oh fucking hell what were it called You'll have that. You'll have it. You'll have that on your fucking hard drive as well. I've no doubt. I can't have that on your hard drive. Yeah. I, I can't remember which one that was. Man, you, you, it seems like you had the, the experience that I've always like wondered about. Like when I would listen to these guys from afar, I'd be like, oh man, I know there are got to be some people that have been in the peripheral that are getting, you know, that access that would have been so cool. And it seems like you are the guy. So that's good, man. You're lucky. Oh, I certainly took advantage of it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I just went along for the ride. You know what I mean? <laughs> Sounds like a pretty good ride. Oh yeah, man. Uh, this has been fun reminiscing a bit with another good friend, uh, but it is absolutely hot as sin in this room. Uh, so I think we'll leave this one there. But as usual, thanks everyone for listening. Thank you, Rob, for coming on. Thank you. And thank you always to Pete fucking Fletcher. Thank you for listening. <laughs> good night.